Hi, everyone. A little bit of business here before the podcast starts. We have a few uh, episodes that we recorded at the end of last semester, so the spring semester. And so we're going to move through those before we move on to the new uh, episodes that we've been recording this fall semester. So just want to give you a heads up. So if it sounds like everything is happening like, I don't know, nine months ago, that's really because it did. All right. On with the show. What's up, Drew? Hey, how's it going? Welcome to How College Works. We are fast approaching the end of our semester. It I'm, is. I'm literally typing. It's definitely freak out time right now. <laughs> like, I'm sending an email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like if the end of the semester is a wall, I'm about to hit it. Like, probably with your face. Yeah, like, I'm inches from slamming into this wall, which at this point feels like a thing I am just waiting for. <laughs> Because it's going to be not so so great to finish up, uh, write and grade the exams, but then I'll be done <laughs> for a while. Once I've graded the exams and submitted my grades, I will have, just like my students, that period of time you're like, yeah, it's like that sigh of relief. Yeah, so I have slides, and it always tells them what week it is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like... Week 14, y'all. And half of them are like, yay. And then I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, this is either good news for you or bad news for you or both. And they're right. like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I, it's make, making me think about exams. And I thought we might talk about exams, just kind of exams in high school, exams in, in college, and, you know, how these are different. And that, I mean, certainly we could probably start off in high school, like you have um, – <laughs> like the Iowa basics. I don't know if people even still do that, but you know, you have those those standardized tests that you have to take yeah. for the school district and and we don't have those. Well, so exams is different than that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we'll, we can we we have to save state testing for a separate. I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> okay. Don't want don't want to trigger Drew on state testing. <laughs> yeah, everybody can read my Twitter account. <laughs> What's your Twitter account, Drew? It's at Andrew Highland. There you go. Oh, well, that's easy. It's been a while since we've had that on the podcast. That's right, that's right. Well, but you have to spell it H-Y-L-A-N-D. Yeah, that's true. There's a couple other I will say that pause, I've picked up from listening to my mother spell our name when I was a kid, and she would you know, come in and be like, you know, Susan Highland, H-Y-L-A-N-D. I guess that's the emphasis. So I guess it's yeah, that's the diff. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I like it. And there's a couple other Andrew Islands on Twitter who are way more accomplished than I am. So oh, okay. you'll, you'll know mine by. So look for the subpar. <laughs> <laughs> or the average Andrew. Maybe you should change it to average Andrew Highland. Just reg- regular Andrew. Regular, regular Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> Not as accomplished <laughs> Andrew Highland. Okay. Anyway, we are life. clearly punchy. Yes. Yeah. Right. Exams. Uh, so remind me, Drew, because you did spend some time teaching exams and, and uh, administering <laughs> exams in high school. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, okay, I, I'm going to start out with, um, you know, I'm speaking of the four different high schools that I've worked at and what it was like at those places. Uh, and so I know different high schools are going to do it differently if it's a private school or if it's a charter school or if it's, you know, some other variety or a different state or a different staff or department is going to come up with a different plan of, uh, you know, delivery. But we kind of had a couple of uh, questions 
to talk about, which is like the types of questions that go on an exam and how we pick those and the purpose of the exam. Why are we even, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's like, well, why are we doing an exam when we could assess learning some other way? And who writes these exams and the flexibility on um, when the exam is given and how it's administered and, and those kind of things. Uh, so, it's way more complicated than my process. <laughs> uh, yeah, and a lot of our, our choices are, are dictated to us, and some of them are not. But, I mean, I kind of want to start, you said let's start in high school. I said let's start in eighth grade exams, which, um, and the reason I want to start there is because the ninth graders, a lot of times for me, were coming in and saying, like, don't we have field day on the last day of school, or aren't we having a water balloon fight? No. <laughs> no, this is the big school. We're having exams now. Um, because yeah. the you know the credits in middle school don't count towards your transcript, uh, and there's a a lot less. It's not that they don't count; it's that they're a lot less. Um, what's the word I want? Uh, Weighted. A, a lot fewer eyeballs looking at oh. how those credits are doled out. Right. It's, it's much. It's more important for the high school transcript because that's what's going to be looked at by colleges. By colleges, and so there's a there's a level of rigor and requirement there, so and that colleges the, can trust what they're the, seeing. Yeah, the accreditation and the, you know the school board and all of those things. Um, so yeah, the and and that's why sometimes that exam final exam is a requirement by the school board or a requirement by the state uh, in some fashion. And a lot of places, it's uh, it's required to be given on the last day of school. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when it's, uh, for the brief moment I was working in the English department, it was uh, kind of always a perennial debate about, can I give the essay portion of it early so the kids can turn their essay in on exam day, and then I can have that, you know, two-hour exam block to score the essays yeah. <laughs> and uh -huh. be able to get grades mm -hmm. done by the Friday of, of finals week. Um, and then what do you give on finals day if the kids are just turning in their essay for two hours and sitting there? Are you giving a multiple choice? Or So there was that de departmental debate over what's the final score or the exam. Are you giving a multiple choice debate over, or question over, over transitions and embedded, embedded evidence in the essay? Or are you giving a multiple choice test over the last novel we read? Or how does, what is a... I'm tired just listening to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a lot easier. So I'll, I'll, let me speak about math because that's the department I spent most time in. Again, I'm you know I'm teaching special education at those at that time, and I'm deeply embedded in the math department because those are the the students and classes that I was supporting. So I I was able to go in and sit through a lot of the departmental meetings where we we all created the essay together. So that it wasn't mm -hmm. like I'm giving my exam to my kids. Wow, they got A's. Awesome, right? You're a great teacher. Um, and so we we said what topics need to be on the um, algebra one test so that they're ready for algebra two. An A on the test should mean ready for algebra two, or a B on the test should be ready for algebra two, right? Right. So what topics need to be there? Who's going to put the questions together for these topics? We tried very hard to reduce and reduce and reduce the number of questions required to establish mastery. So we said, and it's not like, a couple of the questions were performance tasks where we're trying to combine multiple skills, uh, you know, six or eight of those. And then some of them were, uh, there was probably 10 or 15 multiple choices where it was 
um, you know, going down uh, error um, identification. Where, mm-hmm. You know, which step in the process did this sample student make the mistake, and what mistake did they make, and those kind of things in in a math you know problem. Um, Can I jump in real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, a that's a great way to do that if you're in a if you're in a class that has multiple sections. Yeah, is to everybody work together. That happens in the college as well. Is that people uh, professors will come in and if, if people are teaching mul- uh, multiple sections of say a physics class, then you know we'll split the duties of writing the exam so that yeah. uh, not one person has to do it. We'll say the makeup of that, the format of an exam, final mm-hmm. exam. Um, I do physics, so not so much the math thing, but I, I suspect that in many cases it's going to be similar. Um, not a lot of multiple choice. And in fact, as, certainly as you advance, like mm-hmm. in, in like a first year physics course, like I, I do have like one, two or three multiple choice at the yeah. very beginning, which is sort of the warm up. But the, the lion's share is yeah. in a relatively small number of problems, actually. Which they need to work through. So it's like if you're like I'm banking on the multiple choice to to float this grade, it's like no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> like that's not going to work. So we had extensive yeah. discussion about you know we don't want to waste student time. We want to get biggest bang for the buck on mm-hmm. does this prove mastery? Multiple choice was the smallest portion that we could you know it was ten or fifteen depending on the course. So like when we're getting up to the algebra two, it was down to ten or nine multiple choice. And majority of it was performance task and uh, you know handwritten work that was getting hand scored by the teacher on purpose yeah, yeah for exactly yeah. that reason so um, so students and, should expect yeah. that trend to continue and actually probably ha- maybe even have a big jump when you're moving from 12th grade to college if you're still getting a decent number of multiple choice on the final for like I don't know, maybe you're, you're doing that algebra or you're doing a calc in your senior year and you come into uh, your freshman year of college, I would not be surprised if there are no multiple choice and the entire thing is going to be hand scored. Usually in a larger institution because you have have TAs that are going to be scoring that exam. So even though if you you have a lot of people, you do, you have the resources, personnel resources in terms of graduate students to actually get uh, an entire like, 300 person class final graded in an evening it's a long evening (laughs) and you know so i think that um i may have missed some pieces but that covers like the types of questions that we're putting on a math exam and who's doing the writing And and again the rationale between sharing it was and then bringing it back as a draft to the whole department and saying everybody look at the final so one of our one of our teachers pasted it all into a document and formatted it so it was it wasn't just cut and paste which is really bad for students with learning disabilities to have like differently sized fonts all over the place uh, yeah. and uh, so she formatted it for us and sent it all out to the whole department and said please look over it work every problem and we would always find a you know a typo or like hey this is an ambiguous uh, wording or, or an ambiguous answer that could be you know six and nine or whatever and make those corrections. So this process was starting way before finals, obviously, and we did it every single year. So we were able to recycle a little bit, but mostly we were trying to update um, 
and match what we had actually covered in curriculum that year because it we were able to cover more every year. So mm-hmm. we our, our exams by default had more and more topics on them each year, each semester. So anyway, um, <laughs> so the next point was purpose and rationale of this of this exam, and we were trying to say like, hey, if this is our one measurement of mastery, if we get uh, a student who's uh, an A or a B on this exam, they should be ready to walk in the door to the next course and be successful. If they're a C, we want them to go on and, and struggle and, and succeed. If they're a D, we want them to repeat the course. Right, and I think that that type of philosophy is true in college as well, especially for progressions like within a major. It, it, it can be less likely though to have the department sit down and actually hash that out. You know, yeah. to be like, so for composition two, what do they need? So make sure you have a composition one, or if they're going to move into like, you know, a different literature course, what are the things they have? I taught a, I taught a modern physics course at a previous institution, and I don't think it was necessarily that common to do it so purposefully, but I went around and was like, if they take your research with you, what do they need to know about solid state? If they're going into this class, what do they need to know about you know, quantum mechanics? So like, I could try to engineer what the things I'm gonna hit hard in that class, in that semester, so that we're, whoever the students end up working with in the department or whatever classes they take, I am preparing them to move forward in there. Uh, but, I'm, but I don't know if that had been done before. <laughs> so, so you can just teach it. Well, it must have been done. I mean, that's not a new, I think that's called vertical alignment. But yeah. it's not, you know, we in K-12, that they try to align uh, all of the time, and, and it's just a challenge, all, you know, to, to go talk with the 7th and 8th grade math teachers or English teachers and see, you know, how close are we? Because at one point it was all very close, and now we have, everybody has a giant, large school district where it's near impossible to stay tight. Well, and you have a structure where that is... I mean, while it's not easy, it's, I think, easier, whereas, like, for a faculty, it's herding cats. Yes, you might have this physics department, but at a big school, you might have 50 physicists who are in there, and who teaches what has a cycle that changes, and some of them don't get along. <laughs> but, but, some of them are going to teach what they want, no matter what. Right, because there's, there's, no, there's no lever to be all like, you must teach this. You know, and so you, you can end up you can end up with things where a professor is teaching something, uh, and it just turns into like a, a class on the research. Yeah, <laughs> I don't was, know. I, you know, I guess that's a uh, it touches on a point that's a different um, a whole different podcast topic, which is like the the purpose of K twelve high school completion. Is it college bound? Is it career technology? Mm-hmm. Is it both? Is it um, you know none? And I think in the past it was a it was a, you know, it was a comprehensive campus. Um, had an idea of what they were doing, and and so they were aiming their finals and their um, thought process when creating finals at mm-hmm. a certain outcome slots versus. We are coming a little far afield. I think the point that I was thinking about was like who who's writing the exams and. You know, with multiple people for for a given for sections, if they're professors, then they would tend to come together. Um, but even within a department, like you're talking about a math department, this vertical alignment. Even within a physics department, the professors tend to write their own exams because you have one professor and with multiple TAs usually. 
as opposed to multiple professors with fewer TAs. It's interesting to me, and I, I think that makes sense in a college situation. Where, hey, this is my course. This is my exam. I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm the expert. Mm. Uh, somebody else has not done the research in this area or whatever, so I'm gonna write my exam. And the reason we do um, this collab exam, or some districts I've worked in, it's been like, here's your district exam. Um, once in a while, <laughs> the, the the idea is like your kids are going to do really well on an exam that you've written for them. So this is not uh, it's not as valid as mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. a measurement as like a standardized. Um, if you're, yeah, if you're teaching one. to the test or you're testing to your teaching, I guess <laughs> you know. Yeah, then, exactly right. then, exactly. then it's, yeah, but then the test also you know that's what I taught. You know what I mean? Like, I right. realize that well, there are different things, but it would be weird for me to be like, oh, I know I didn't teach you this, but you should know it anyway. Right. I mean, it's it's using the exam as assessment yeah. and trying to make the assessment broad. Um, that's a different podcast. Yes. Like, we're not talking about assessment. <laughs> oh, and, and you have to turn around and, and say, in K-12 anyway, you have to turn around and say, for, okay, look, the course was Algebra 1 or Integrated 1 is what we have and say the, the course goals outlined were to cover this and that to get ready for integrated two or geometry. And so these skills need to be um, finished and this is an autopsy at the end of course test. So I need to test all the skills, whether I rushed mm -hmm. through it or did it deeply, I need to know if my kids know it. And it's almost like an entrance exam to the next course. Right. Almost. <laughs> and we did have we did have a discussion in the department about Okay, the kid has a poor grade, and he aces the final. What do we do? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Or it? vice versa, right? Like, Did right. really well and then face-planted on the final. Right. Right. And we had a discussion about how does this average in? Is this more than 10% of the score? Is this blah, 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 you know? And, and as math teachers, they were really uh, intent on making this um, – Equitable, but making it a, a fair assessment of mastery as well. Like, look, right. if, you, if you're killing it in, in class uh, grades and you tanked on the final, isn't that indicating something? Right. right. Vice versa. You're, 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 is your bad grade because of homework and you killed the final? You should be passing. Fair. So I want, I want to move on to sort of, I think we talk about like levels of questions. And so I think when we're talking, I was saying that... I can contribute nothing to this. <laughs> yeah. Essay testing is a whole different. Uh, yeah, yeah, which I don't do because I the, it goes it's against paper. my pedagogy. Right, so you just have them write a paper. Well, but it's just a regular assignment, right? right? But you don't do like on-demand writing. No, or? that's if I'm teaching them the process of revision and that real writing is learned through revision, then I'm completely undermining my entire semester by saying, "Here, write this in 50 minutes. I'm going to grade it." Oh. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, but my students always seem surprised. They're like, wait, we don't have a final listed. I'm like, yeah. They're like, we're not going to have a final. I'm like, when have we ever taken a test in this class? And they're like, but you're not going to make us write something? I'm like, I am making you write something. It's due the last day of class. I'm going to grade it during finals week. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I have more. But I well, maybe we'll also talk about purpose and rationale of the final. I also teach a grammar class, so mm -hmm. I can... Which is, like, we go through chapters and they have exams, so... Yeah. Okay, that's testable, yeah. yeah. Right. I, so, the, like, one philosophy of the final exam is that it's a chance to integrate multiple things that we have learned during the semester and to show your mastery of them, to show that you, you, have, you have taken in and processed 
you know, the total of, of what you have been, uh, been presented with. And so in some classes, uh, I think my impression is like general psych, is like where you have multiple kind of disparate things. Like they're all psychology, but when you're doing like the child psych portion and the abnormal psych portion, like they don't necessarily build on each other in any way. Yeah. So these are separate topics. And so the a final in that kind of a class is a chance for you to go back and review all the stuff that you've done and to, and hopefully at that point to see it as a whole and then to demonstrate your ability to work in all these different ways on the final. And there probably are going to be something in terms of, like, there's a situation. Think of it from this perspective, like a cognitive psychology perspective versus, like, a, I don't even know. I have nothing going oh, on. Yeah, man. Oh, I, I had some of those on teacher tests where it was like, here's a, a what do they call it, case study. Yeah. What is your diagnosis and what is your prog- oh, you know, what is your, what is your, um, um, remediation of it. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And those, those are meant to be subtle and messy because yeah. case studies are, and that's a little different. That kind of thing is a little different than the structure of a course like physics and often math, where we're going to start at a certain thing. And our goal is to get to a level of mastery with that. And then we're going to build on top of that master that, build on top of that, master that, build on top of that, master that. And so you get to the end of the year in my, in my uh, calculus-based physics, and if you haven't mastered electric fields from the f- chapter 14 in the first week of classes, you have already died <laughs> academically uh-huh. at this point. Like, it is, it is for far too late <laughs> to do that. And so one, like, in that aspect, in terms of final exams, like, the students are like, do we have a final exam in my calculus-based physics? And my answer generally, well, my answer is no. If you didn't understand the first three chapters, then you will already have failed the, fir- the first two midterms. And so adding a final on top of that is not going to sort of give you the, mo- the motivation to go back, my philosophy anyway, to go back and to learn those things that you were deficient on because you have already been required to use those things for the full time that we've been here this semester. So if you weren't learning it to do well in the midterms and the homework over the past 15 weeks, why would a final be any different? And so it just means more grading for me, and it's probably not going to change your grade much at all. So, so you, but you have a, a way that you have assessed the end of term um, abilities where it's maybe not the final, but it's like the last assignment due where it's like, I have, I, I technically, I think I technically what I have is a final exam, a final midterm, if, if it makes sense, because, and this goes into the scheduling is that we have an assigned time to give a final mm-hmm. based on the time that our classes are taught. So a Monday, a, a, a nine o'clock Monday was a Friday class kind of has a set final time because yeah. They, obviously, you can't be enrolled in two of those classes at once, so those finals will never overlap either because they're all done at the same time at the end of the school year during the finals week. Uh, so I do have, for all my classes, there is an assigned finals time, uh, but I don't give exams on those times. I end with a, a last quiz or exam on the last Friday of classes. Uh. Well, that's cool. 
that, but that's my choice. Yeah, so, but some colleges don't give you a choice. Sometimes mm-hmm. you are you have you are required by college policy to mm-hmm. to give something during that finals time, yeah. um, which is tricky for writing. But I've had to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, I just turn it into presentation. Your students also leave with like a little bit of a portfolio of the writing they've done over the semester and, and aren't able to carry that with them. Yeah. Maybe it's not explicitly like, you need five points for your portfolio. Right. But they have the papers they've written, and, and, and hopefully they've grown as a, as a writer and are able to move ahead with it, right? Right. And so like what we're doing this, I'm doing something different this semester. I'm actually having them do a quick like five-minute presentation about their biggest takeaway from the class. Nice. So, you know, instead of having them write it down and stress out about the writing, I'm just kind of doing these informal presentations where everybody has to share something that they've learned, if that makes sense. It does. Next episode, we can talk about prepping for finals as a student. Ha ha. I have a way I do that with my students. Um, oh, and we, we wanted to, it was too early to move on to, um, um, accommodations. Sure, no, just do it. Accommodations. For when tests said, in general? What's that? For tests in general? For, well, for exams, but they would, you know, depending on situation, they would, yeah, cover everything all the time. You guys keep correcting me. I keep saying tests, you keep saying exams. So are you thinking final exams? Well, our today's topic is about final exams, yeah. Okay. Just curious, but in terms of accommodations, that would account for smaller chapter tests and mm. final exams. Yes. Yeah, both would be. Although, again, to remind our listeners from like a year, year ago or something, <laughs> is that you know at the college level, you once you get accommodations, you have to notify we can advance to be able to have those accommodations. So while your accommodations are 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 there for you, and the bar is actually lower than it is in, um, or different, I should say, maybe, than it is in high school, the, uh, you, you have to be the one to request it ahead of time. You can't roll into the midterm or the final and be all like, I need double time. Yeah, no, no. That's, that's too late at that point. Well, and I've had students who are like, is this like a regular exam? And I'm like, yeah, it's just the last chapter or whatever, like mm-hmm. we got behind. And they're like, okay, but I can use the full two hours. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we have set aside for the final time. And so they actually don't use their accommodation to do the testing center because it's a regular exam that's already getting more time. Mm. And so they feel comfortable, but that's their choice. Right. That means you've provided the accommodation to all of the students. That's how you say that. Uh, Yes. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And, And so... Working in high school in a special ed department with my students who are um, over half time in general ed and sometimes one or maybe two courses in special education classes, which are, which is, um, I think it's a federal uh, definition saying that that a, a quote special ed course or uh, that I'm teaching is. Uh, away from non-disabled peers. So the students in my class, that's yes. a special ed class, are all having an IEP uh, based on the things IEPs are, are based on um, for one, one reason or another. Or, uh, or I should say, and some of my students, if they're in my room for uh, a learning disability related to writing or English, they can be taking a regular math course and once in a while that if there's an area of need there then their accommodation can cover the exams and things in a math class. Mm-hmm. 
So there's that's a whole different topic of how these accommodations are, um, you know, agreed upon by the team, not just not just shopping cart picked by one person. Right. I mean, those those accommodations for an IEP or the the lower level, which any student uh, or parent can request, which I believe is a five hundred four. Yeah, I think it's 504 of the, of the Americans with Disabilities Act, yeah. Right, so those, I mean, certainly for an IEP, those things have to be, the meetings have to include, like, the teacher and administrator, someone who can interpret the results of whatever evaluation is, the parents, ideally also the student. You know, like, there's a large group of people that need to be there for an official IEP meeting. Yeah, and once that's agreed on and the, the formalized assessment has been done and the areas of needs have been found and the accommodations needed for those areas of needs have been agreed on, then I have a certain amount of time to get those accommodations communicated to the teachers that have that student. Right. So the teachers are, are communicated to and made aware by requirement of, you know, hey, this student has a disability in you know, whatever it is, numeracy or, or um, whatever, and the accommodation that makes it a level playing field with their non-disabled peers is to have extra time or a reduced setting where instead of 35 kids in the room, there's 10 or 15. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. on finals week, uh, the week before, as a case manager, I'm running around to all the teachers saying, you've got Johnny and, you know, Jane and Joey, uh, and they've requested from me that they take their exam in a reduced setting in my room. Um, you know, let's arrange getting the final over to the pieces of paper over to my room confidentially and the student over here either, you know, however the student travels to my room and arrange time for them. Right. And at the college level, that same thing can happen if you have those accommodations, just that you as the student have to get that ball rolling ahead of time. And that may mean, that means A, requesting from your professor who's like, Sure, yes, but it may also fall to the student to go find, to go uh, register or like reserve the accommodations mm -hmm. in this in like the student learning center or the student support services to be like I need a room for this long uh, right. and this sort of a thing. And I think that's the most common is is a reduced setting or an extra time. And there was a moment like twelve years ago when we were all putting calculators in as an accommodation, and that's just not a we don't add that so much anymore at all because. Um, we don't need to, right? Basically, <laughs> uh, and the calculators are provided on the state testing. I think the main reason for putting that in as an accommodation was because you have to use accommodations in the classroom on a daily basis in order to use them on the state testing. Mm -hmm. So, if I wanted a calculator on the state test, I had to use it every day in the class as well. So, but now the calculator is allowed for every student on. Mm -hmm test so it's it's superfluous and not needed right I want to uh, circle back a little bit to say I think my notes here say level of questions and I think the way I described this when we we're talking ahead of time is that it's in taking exams talking to professors as a grad student and writing exams uh, every semester uh, often there's sort of like three I think it was through there being three levels of questions there's kind of the, the low-level gimme is like, do you understand these basic ideas mm -hmm. and concepts and not necessarily having to apply them through calculations? And there's sort of like, I think it was the mid-level, which maybe is like the meat and potatoes, like, hey, here's this problem. You should be able to do this because it's very similar to the homework. Uh, should uh, should look yeah. familiar. And then this like the third level, which is the, if you're not just like 
getting by and doing fine, but like truly bringing everything in, understanding it, and then taking it to the next level. You can look at this problem and understand uh, right. understand it fully, you know, and how to work it through. So like there's a, there's a point to that, of having these hard questions, which is to differentiate the students who are just doing okay, doing fine, not doing poorly, and the ones who are killing it and really should be moving up to that A-level range as opposed to the B oh, yeah. and C. For sure. <laughs> I'm just thinking of a question that we had on our exam multiple times, which had to do with, um, it was a grasshopper, and how far did he end up hopping, And because he, he had to get over the fence, and you know, but it was basically, uh, and I'm going to mess it up, but it was like completing the square to graph a parabola, and you were given the uh-huh. x-intercepts, and had to go backwards and, and come up with the you know, the apex of the, uh, or whatever, vertex of the parabola, and then come up with the equation so you could find a second point on there. That It, it was really yeah, complex. Yeah. I dig you. Yeah, I see I see how that works. I do yeah. not. It's fine. It's cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but that would be a, maybe a level two and a half or a three, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Am I low? I'm low. Because I'm like, what? I remember these words. I mean, well, it means that you, it means that you have to... I don't really care. Understand. Understand yeah. the equation. Yeah, of you have to be able to apply it in a situation. You can't be faking it. This is not right. like do the homework with different numbers. Yeah, it's, exactly. not, it, yeah, it's not a plug and chug. Yeah, so like for my grammar tests, there's usually the first page or whatever are a couple of things throughout, depending because it's usually by section. There's a piece that, like, it's a memorization. Like, mm-hmm. you know the eight parts of speech, write them down, right? That's the first test is actually like that. Yeah. I mean, and, and then I model stuff after the homework questions. And then I kick it up, you know, and I give them something that they haven't seen before. Right. Just to see if they can apply it to a different new situation, which sounds exactly what yeah, we Just do some sentence diagramming for some comp or something. Well, sometimes I'm like, write your own sentence. And that, I'm like, oh. And then they write their own sentence to diagram, and they get themselves into situations that they can't diagram because they don't know that part yet. You know? And I'm like, why did you do that? Why not just, like, I like cupcakes? Come on. Who doesn't like cupcakes? Exactly. <laughs> well, you have to fully understand the concept of, of diagramming to understand which sentences you know that you are able right. to Right. But they always like, try to write these sentences, and I'm like, this is a noun clause. We haven't gotten there yet. Or I'm like, this is a phrasal verb. You don't know what you're doing. Right. Uh, but so, but they, uh, and so I even put in the instructions, you know, don't screw yourself over by writing overly complicated sentences. Mm-hmm. But they seem to do that anyway. But it's those things. So the people who realize their limitations, or they try to diagram it, they're like, wait, I don't know how to do that. You can see the race. Yeah. 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 Well, we try, speaking of your levels of questions, I mean, we, and of course, anybody listening could say like, oh, well, there's, there's blooms and there's, and there's, what's the new one? Depth of knowledge has four levels. And then there's another method that has those three levels you're talking about. So mm-hmm. I, there's different ways to categorize the levels, but yes, some questions are better than others. We'll say that. <laughs> and, um, we did have discussions and, you know, when I was working with departments making finals saying like, we, we don't want to put basically a one question final together where they have to synthesize every concept mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if they mess one up they're hosed um, and, but we also don't want to just put a bunch of procedural can you follow the algorithm level ones so we, we tried to do a good mix and mark them that way and say look this one needs to be a complex and the way we score it in, at least in a math class is 
needs to be not just uh, all or nothing. It needs to be scored like, look, you made a mistake in step two. Everything following is correct procedures, right. and you got to the correct wrong answer. So we're going to give a partial credit like they do on an AP exam, mm -hmm. like they do on the math entrance exams in college. Well, and like um, it tends to happen in, at least my experience, in physics classes. And again, that's not every physics class everywhere, but partial credit is a thing. Yeah. You know. Right. And, and how much partial you get for what, like, that depends on your grader. And that's going to really change from class to class and semester to semester as the TAs who are grading it change. Well, because, like, even in math, if you write down just the right answer and you have nothing to show your work, it's still only partial credit, isn't it? Well, for, for me, anyway, that's partial credit yeah. because, like, yeah, I, I can't <laughs> tell that you didn't just copy it off somebody else. Right. You did get the right answer, so you get, for me, they get, like, a three out of five. Yeah. So it's like... Congratulations, that's a 60% for your right answer because I can't tell that you actually knew what you were doing. So that. technically you pass. Technically, <laughs> barely. D equals degree. In, in, in some classes, right? Because yeah. D usually does not mean progress to the next class no. in sequence. That means well, and repeat. for your major, it really matters. It really, really matters, yeah. You uh, need to be like spending time on that. <laughs> One one thing I, I I think is we're starting to uh, get close to the end of our time. I, I want to point out is that you know, and we I'm sure we've said this in the podcast before is that the kind of mastery that we are expecting at the college level is different than at least my experience that it, my students that what has been expected of them in high school, which is that I want you to read and do this thing and understand it and not just be able to like as you say Drew like. Uh, put in different numbers to the same equation right? or like plug and chug like that's not that doesn't count as C-level work in my classes in college that right. counts as like D-level work uh, in my classes you can get to that level on Khan Academy no, no disrespect to Khan Academy yeah, like yeah correct yeah yeah well it's, yeah because that's not designed to it's designed for like yeah it's designed for that that's first start yeah. and like and like uh, understanding of the like the basics you know and right. they have a lot of stuff which is really good and of course the Connor County on, on the math has like a bunch of like uh, randomly generated problems that you can do which is also really good you know but physics is about for me anyway and for many classes it's gonna be the same thing it's about the concepts you know the math is important for there for being able to apply the concepts in a, in a, in a rigorous the, the way. The student's ability to know when to grab the tool out of the toolbox to apply it to this problem with exactly. constraints in mind. Yeah. So, yeah. so reading the story about the grasshopper jumping three feet and having to get over the two and a half foot high fence, but he can't go too far because there's lava at the other side. Oh. Knowing the constraints of that and realizing, ah, I have to use a quadratic to make a parabola, right? Right. Blah, blah, blah. So it the, the, that's the ability. It's not the chugging the, the, the um, complete square. It's, it's the, the analysis of how do I attack this problem. Exactly. And basically everything in my, in my exams that's even the, even the multiple choice is basically word problems. Yeah. And, and maybe a, a schematic or something. It's like, here's the situation. Here's some information that you need. Or maybe here's more information than you need. And, and yeah. you have to determine what, it, what is applied. Because we have like three chapters that are on this exam. So what are the concepts that are, that are needed here? 
be able to identify the equations that are associated with the, that concept, be able to identify the information that you're given and how they might slot into these two or three different possible equations. So which one is it going to actually be useful to use? Evaluation, I think, on Bloom's taxonomy. And then you need to carry that calculation forward. And not too uncommon at sort of the 200, 300, 400 level is the solve me this thing, tell me this thing, and I'm going to give you a whole bunch of information and I'm not going to break it step by step for you. Can I, I want to talk about some of the exams that I took in college. Sure. Which, you know, and I, one of these I've spoken of before, but I'm going to tell you the other half of this. So in my, oh, what was that, third semester uh, music theory course was the professor from Vienna that I've spoken about before. And our first test was a midterm in November. Right. And our, our second test, the, the only other grade in the grade book was the final in December. And it was, um, the final was, analyzing a Chopin prelude number 20 specifically like we had to do the whole thing analyze the whole thing it's only like 20 measures long I probably named it wrong anyway it's not number 20 but anyway uh, there's one chord in measure you know 12 that scholars are still debating over how it's spelled and named so that was basically our exam and that was you know was like okay how did you name this chord why did you name it B sharp major and not C, right? So that was the level we were at in third semester. It's a good question, Drew. Ridiculous uh, uh, analysis. Another performance style task exam that I had was um, a, uh, it was a non-Western music course. So I know that music is not typical, but at the same time it kind of is on these exams where it was, uh, a recording was played, given to us for two weeks, and we had to listen to this recording of non-Western um, tribal musicians singing and transcribe it into Western music notation and defend our choices. Why did you make this uh, note here, and how did, why did you write it as a glissando there? And um, that one was up basically to how much diligence you put into studying the correct music markings and notations, and it was this performance task of knowing how to transcribe music that is not typical. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was, you know, then you really know, is this for me? Is this my direction I want to go in, ethnomusicology, or mm-hmm. or not? <laughs> sounds interesting. Yeah. I mean, I can't yeah. do it, but it sounds interesting. I, but it's a similar... You know, this was culmination at the end of the semester mm-hmm. of, of studying, right. you know, notation and, and right. transcription and all that. And not being like, here's something you've already seen was a notation, or here's something very similar to what you've already seen, but rather here is something which is totally different, which you have not seen before, and bring these tools to bear on it, because that's what it means to be, you know, mastery. Yeah, and no multiple choice. And, and of course, as a musician, the the ear training courses we took every single semester, our final exam was, um, we were supposed to have prepared for every single... um, Singing, sight singing every scale and all of these th- kind of things. And our professor, we walked in and he rolled the dice and it landed on two and I had to sing, you know, Phrygian minor or something and, uh, from memory and, and on pitch. And so like, so I didn't have to sing every single scale. I just had to know every scale in case the dice landed on a six. That sounds like my Spanish final. Like we had an oral final and we knew that we had these different scenarios, but he just chose one out of a cup, and then we had to have a conversation about the scenario. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you had to know, you had to have something prepared for like all, like eight of them. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get the one you don't know, right? And you're like, crap. <laughs> the way it seems to work. Isn't it? Yeah, and so you had to have something to say. So, you know, you prepped all eight conversations. Well, exactly. I learned a, 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 a singing melody in all 12 modes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and waited for him to roll the dice and sung my melody. Right. So, I mean, that makes sense. So, yeah, music's not the same, but it's also not that different. Right. right. All right. Just like you said. All right. Dudes, I'm tired. We're out of time. So, so exams are, exams are exams. So, yeah. You've got, they're coming up soon for us. Uh, and the philosophy and what we try to get out of them is a little different in college. It's just a higher level as well. But what I took away from this is that they're very they're thoughtfully constructed and yeah. you should you know this the students if they pay attention to how the other tests along the semester were constructed can probably get an idea but it's not random most of the time right well and you can also if you really want to ask your teacher yeah. or professor like what is the purpose of the exam you know in yeah. order to sort of gauge how much time and effort you need to put into it yeah. that that's allowed I have to get a correction in on tape. There, there's only seven modes. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, gosh. So don't well, don't I mean, at Drew. Yeah. <laughs> there are seven. God, I thought you had a music degree. <laughs> My bad. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. I guess we'll see everyone next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.